So, Lord, may this be your words, may it be your message. Okay, so today we are looking, as Jodie said, at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. It's such an excellent passage. But let's be reminded why we read our Bibles, why we look at scripture. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible. It's not to be like, yeah, I'm really good. I know know my Bible. You don't get a big tick, but it's about knowing God. That's what we want to do. We want to know God. It's not just our head knowledge, the facts. They're good. We need them. But it's about knowing our God, our Yahweh God. What is his character? What is his character? What is he like? And that's been our focus here at EFCC for, for you know, for some while now. Um, knowing Jesus and making him known. So we're continuing that now through the work we're doing in this series. So let's hold on to why we're doing it. And, um, yeah... Romans is quite wordy in places. People I really look up to and esteem find this a hard book. But let's remember what is in the book of Romans. My goodness, there's some absolute gems. So through having gone through it, we did it in our Bible study uh, a couple of years ago, but like going through it a second time, it's worth the digging is what I want to say. It's worth it. And... um, it can seem really complicated sometimes. Um, I think Paul is sometimes so excited by the message of the gospel that he just says it in words that perhaps sometimes are a little bit complicated for us. But if you feel like, as you're reading um, the scriptures, we know we've got small groups and we're asking you to do reading at home. If you feel like it's above your head, I just want to like really encourage you that um, the Holy Spirit, that the the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that God has sent to us helps us in this. So if you don't feel like you're getting it, it's okay. Like, keep travelling, keep journeying. And I believe the Holy Spirit will give you those pieces that you need to know that will do you good, that will help us all. So, um, as uh, Jodie was saying, just a quick look at um, the recap. So chapter 3, verse 23 onwards... um, And uh, this is um, in the New Living Translation. So it says, um, so the New Living Translation is a slightly more simplified uh, version. Some of the traditional terms that Dave was talking about last week. So I'm going to read it in in this version, but I will just put in the words, the traditional terms as well. So it says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, grace is the undeserved favour of God, in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. That means we're justified. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. He redeemed us. So Christ Jesus freed us from the penalty of our sins. Hallelujah. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. That was the atonement Dave was talking about last week. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sin. He's the atonement. And people are made right. We are righteous with God when we believe in Jesus and the fact that he sacrificed his life for us, shedding his blood. So that's the message that we've been learning. That's the massive message that Paul um, is teaching us at the beginning of this letter. So today I am going to focus mainly 
on um, the first 11 verses of chapter 5. However, there's some great stuff, so I am going to encourage you, go home, read through verses 12 to uh, 21. And they talk about how um, the comparison between um, Adam and Jesus, how it was through Adam's sin, the sin of one man, who brought um, judgment and sin into the world, placed us where we were with God at that time. And then it was through the one man, Jesus, who came and redeemed us from all of it. So let me just read a couple of really significant verses. It says, in fact, chapter, uh, in verse 15, but the gift of Jesus is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass, the one of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift, the gift of Jesus, followed many trespasses and brought justification. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so we thank you. We thank you for that truth. We thank you that um, um, in the series that we're learning on, uh, that um, the presenter uh, talks about we can line up between beside or behind uh, Adam or now we can line up behind Jesus. So we thank you for that truth, Lord. So back to verses that we're looking at today, which is verses 1 to 11 in chapter 5. Karen's going to read them for us. Um, So I'm reading at the NIV. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received 
reconciliation. Okay, so um, I don't know if George can get the slide up. I don't know how big it is. But um, this is kind of the picture that I got um, when I was thinking about this and I was trying to put it into like a, a picture of form. So um, on, the, on the far side, on the red side of this kind of number line, um, it's the negative numbers, so it's, um, it's where we all stood. And it says, the scripture said, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So in our sin, we were in the negative side of the line. We were in the red. We owed God. We owed him. Um, yeah. And, um, and that's why in the, in the Old Testament, people had to give sacrifices, had to give blood sacrifices, because there was sin and that was all they could do. So the entire human race was living in the red, in the minus numbers. We were in opposition to God because of our sin, and we owe a debt to him. We were the ungodly. But there is a great benefits package that we are given that is established through our faith in Jesus and what he does for us. So, um, yeah... The world might tell us that bonuses and benefits are in the things of the world, but that's not true. It's nothing compared to what Jesus has done for us. So, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my number line. That's illustrated in the centre. That's the purple bit. When God, in his love, sent Jesus to die for us, a blood-filled, horrific death on the cross, it was payment for our sin. And remember, justified means the act of being made right in the eyes of God. That's who we are. Through, the, through what Jesus did for us, we have been made right in the eyes of God. Jesus settled the account for us. And in that moment, there was a magnificent exchange where Jesus took our penalty and instead he gave us his righteousness. So our debt is fully paid. We moved out of the red and we were put back to peace with God. And our peace is forever. Um, <laughs> there is provision for ongoing sin that we all do. We know that, but we'll talk about that another day. That's a whole other thing. And I um, just want to look at the wording in that first verse. Um, the wording says, we have peace with God. So the interesting fact of that is we were at, God, we were at war with God. And, um, yeah, I, I lived in the world for a long time. I was in my 30s when I found Jesus. And I never knew I was at war with God. I, um, I just thought as, an, as a bystander, you know, I was just standing around like looking on I, I didn't hadn't made a decision but the truth is if you haven't made a decision to have Jesus in your life then you have no peace with God and peace with God enables us to have the peace of God and that's spoken about widely through the Bible for example in Philippians 4 it says that peace which transcends 
all understanding. It's the shalom. It's the perfect wholeness, the complete peace of God. So that's a good question to ask ourselves. What does a life living at peace with God look like? Are we living that life? In that life, we can have confidence we're saved, we are safe, we don't have to strive. What we've been learning is it's not by works that we got to that place. It's not by works. It was because of Jesus and it's our faith in him. When we have peace with God, we don't have to fear his judgment anymore. And because of that, we should look different from the rest of the world. Because our soul, because of what Jesus did, gives us peace with God, the creator of the universe. And um, a little bit of testimony. Something horrible happened to me in 2021. Not catastrophic, but it was a tricky thing that I had to get through. And I'd been a bit unwell that year. I'd had a relapse of, of the MS. And... Um, we were just about to move house and um, I was scammed out of my savings in a bank fraud incident over the telephone. And um, I was a single mum and I was about to move house and it was terrible. It was my money, it was my savings, it was what I had to move. And um, I remember um, my dad's utter sadness at what had happened to me, utter heartbreak. And um, I found myself consoling him and saying, Dad, it'll be okay. Ultimately, it is only money. And I wasn't being flippant. In that moment, I truly had the peace of God. And that was so very different to where I lived all the rest of my life. I was a warrior. My goodness, what that would have done to me if I didn't know God, I just can't imagine. And um, my dad was confused at my reaction. So I explained to him, life is different now. I've got God's peace. And sometimes that peace is not logical in the world. Um, I also take, took the opportunity, bless him, he was so lovely, to give him a white Jesus. I was like, Dad, read this for me. Like, I was like, if I can't do it at this moment, and I don't know if he has, but that moment, the miraculous got a gift of peace that God gave me, I was able to speak into someone else's life. And Thank God um, the bank covered my loss and uh, I didn't have to live in the words of that peace. God resolved it or whatever. But in that moment, I was like, it's going to be okay. So, um, yeah, it's really good, I think, to reflect um, at the difference it makes in our lives when we live in God's peace. And um, we want our peace one we carry, to speak loudly to a world that is definitely not a peace. Um, I found Jesus uh, through coming here 16 years ago um, to the toddler group when my daughter was 18 months old. And um, I saw the volunteers and I just said, there is something different about those people and I want it. And that changed my life. Seeing God in them changed my life and that's what we want to do and we want to be. So, verse 2... It says, talk about Jesus, it says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Wow, it's a major statement and could fill 
many mornings worth of sermons. But what Paul's saying is that our faith in Jesus, we can stand in God's grace and we can rejoice in the hope of his glory. And on my number line, that's the right-hand side. That's, um, that's um, us living um, in a different place where we were once God's enemies. He made us his friends. We're, um, we're now in the zero and upwards and we can keep on going. And it's the good news about where we now live. Yeah, let's not forget the massive thing that Jesus has done for us there. And the scripture, we could probably bring the scriptures up now, George, if that's okay. Um, the scripture, so it's verse 1 through to kind of 5. Um, verse 2, so it doesn't say we have to bow down or kneel or cower under God's grace. We can stand. It says we have peace with God. We have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We can stand. We're heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. So standing in God's grace means we stand before him covered in his grace. We're justified, as we said, just as if we haven't sinned. He accepts us and we can live out of that acceptance. It's a solid and it's a certain truth. It's a firm foundation. We can have confidence to live that way. And God's glory, it talks about God's glory, and that's about who he is. It's his holy presence. And um, at present, where we live here in the world, we can experience that in part. But we do have a sure and certain hope. We talk about the hope of the glory of God, that we will experience that more and more fully. We can live with God forever. Um, We can have eternal life with God through what Jesus has done for us. But also now, in this life, on earth, as it is in heaven. And let's talk for a moment about access. The scripture we're looking at talks about we've gained access by faith. And um, in the dictionary, it defines um, the sense um, in which it's been used as permission or the right to enter. And the Greek word for access conveys the idea of being brought near to someone powerful because someone else makes an introduction for us. So Andrew Ollerton, the presenter of the Roman course we're looking at, he gives an example that he went into the White House and he was allowed access because he knew someone, his relative was working there. I don't know anyone important, so I'm using his example. But that's, that's, that's what it is. That's what, and faith in Jesus is our access to God. There's no one more powerful than God, and there's no one who's closer to him than Jesus. The Son gives us access to the living God. And the whole thought of having free access to God would have been amazing and shocking to the community hearing it at the time when this letter passed through those, those uh, churches in Rome. In the Roman culture, um, at that time, sacrifices had to be given regularly. They had many gods that had to go and sacrifice at the temple. And the Jewish custom was very clear about the access into God's presence at the temple and the inner sanctuary and the Holy of Holies. And Yeah. But when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
Jesus made a way for those early members of the church in Rome and also for us today to come close to him. And because of our faith in Jesus, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. And some translations say, come boldly. And we can go there as often as we like, as many times as we like. Jesus has given us the key. So hope, that's another massive part of this chapter. Um, in the beginning, it talks about uh, the hope, the glory of God. But it mentions hope three times, even in just the first five verses. And um, later in chapter 15, Paul builds on this theme of hope when he writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Our God is the God of hope. And um, the book of Romans mentions the word hope proportionally more than any other book in the Bible. It's only topped by the book of Psalms, which is very long. So our hope in God, our hope as believers in Jesus is mounted. It's held up by the truth of who God is. Not by who we are, not by who I am. That's our hope. My hope, I don't have to try and... um, sort out my own hope, and how different that is to the world um, and the sense of their hope, which is no more really than a wish. Like, I hope it doesn't rain today. And, um, you know, a person's positive attitude. Let me try and be hopeful today. But no wonder there are so many problems in the world around us and despair because we can't hold up our own hope, I don't believe, in this world. It's too hard. But we have a God who upholds it for us and he upholds it firmly. It's an undeniable gift of grace. And its strength comes through God's faithful, unchanging, loving character. So this brings us on to verse 3, which talks about suffering. So verse 3 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So the sense here is that suffering well produces growth, like perseverance and character and hope. That there is fruit. And we may not like it, but I think the truth is that often during the trials of life we do grow when we know that we have Jesus. And the first few verses in the letter of James are similar. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds so that ultimately we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what we're being reminded here is that being a follower of Jesus is not, it doesn't mean that we avoid suffering, but we are called to experience it differently. And uh, ultimately we... While we're going through it, we want it to produce characteristics that make us more like Jesus. And that's got to be about perspective. Because let's be honest, in the worst times of our lives, it's so very easy to get overwhelmed. There are things that happen that are unbelievably tragic and sad, and we know that. And it's easy to question and even blame God in those times. But Paul is encouraging us to look at things differently. And as I touched on earlier, because we have the peace of God, we are called to look and be different. And God makes us different. 
In John 13, verse 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, In me you may have peace. So it's no good us trying to react differently, trying to get character when something comes along, trying to hang on to hope. I don't think we cannot do it in our own strength. So if you are suffering terrible grief or disaster, we, I'm not telling you, conjure up a good response. But the miracle that I think we need to see here is that it is possible with God. And we hear extraordinary testimonies that in the worst of times there was a gift or God saw them through it and that they were able to give back or live through it or, or learn, learn the hard things. So we have an option, we have an opportunity to look at things differently, and that does include suffering. But no guilt, no condemnation for those who are not finding that easy. And when we all have things that come up in our, in our lives that aren't, different, aren't easy, we are works in progress, and God meets us where we are. So I'm not saying you have to plaster on a smile and dance around the hall. The outworking of this truth, this piece of scripture, is it can be really, really hard. But thank God it is a truth and it is possible. And also, let's remember in our worst times, often we just want someone to be there with us. And we know that our God is faithful in that. And we can draw close to him and hold, him to hold us up as we walk through it. My marriage broke down six years ago. It was sudden, it was unexpected. And the pain to my children was unbearable. But I am able to say that God got me through it. And we grow and there is fruit and you don't see it, but God got me through it. I thank God, thank God for that. So to recap, just, oh my goodness, how much is in those first few scriptures? So we have peace with God. We have access to God's grace and the hope of his glory. We have hope in life and we have hope in our suffering. But lastly, and the foundational truth, is it's all held up in God's love. And this uh, leads us to the truth found in two more of the verses in this passage about God's love for us. That's verse 5. Verse 5 says... And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Hope does not disappoint. God, in his kindness, has poured out his love into our hearts. And that wasn't just like a little teaspoon. He poured his love out to us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And let's remember, in verse 8, it goes on to say how God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And without the living experience of this love that God has poured into our hearts, we might want to give up when storms come. But the Holy Spirit fills us with deep hope. And we need to persevere, knowing that God is powerful enough to defeat even sin and death. So I want to thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation 
and that your love has made it possible to be right with you, even sinners like us. So I just want to finish with, um, with us spending, yeah, just, just a little bit of time thinking of the truth of that scripture. Hope does not disappoint us. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So, Lord God, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for this letter. Lord God, thank you for the peace, the hope, the truth that is in it. And, Lord God, thank you that as you poured out your love into our hearts, Lord God, that love can go deeper and deeper. And as we've heard today from the testimonies that have been given already, Lord, that you can put us together, you can put us back together, the shards of glass and the broken vases, the broken people. Your love, Lord, can make us new. We thank you for the hope that you've given us. Amen.